0: Hello and welcome to the two five O, the podcast where we are forced to watch acts of atrocity through our unblinking eyes. I'm Douglas and with me as always is my co-host Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan?
1: I'm I'm good. Despite despite myself, I'm good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> despite If this is your first time tuning into The 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020 and have been watching them from number 250 through to number 1. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie is number 97, A Clockwork Orange.
1: Based on the novel of the same name and set in a dystopian near-future Britain, young Alexander DeLarge and his crew of misfits get their kicks by committing violent atrocities. The state eager to crack down on juvenile crime incarcerates Alex with the intent of curing him.
0: A Clockwork Orange is written and directed by the one, the only Stanley Kubrick, uh, known for a great many adaptations in his time. Uh, He is also known for Barry Lyndon, The Shining, 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Full Metal Jacket, just to name a few. And neither Jonathan nor I have watched this film before. Ah,
1: No. It's
0: definitely been always up there on the list of, like, Films that I've wanted—I mean, like all of Kubrick's films—have always been up there. I've just never had the kind of agency to watch them because I've always, from what I've seen of them, the bits I have seen, they're very impenetrable.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say confronting Douglas.
0: Yeah, Con- confrontingly impenetrable. Well, actually, no, that's not all of
1: them. That's just like The Shining. I think, and maybe Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, it's a very film bro film.
0: Very film bro film. Which, yeah. which
1: makes me flee it like-
0: Immediately. Like
1: something I don't want to be near. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, the, the people who are going to be listening to this podcast. Like, you know who you are. If you're the film bro, film bro. No, if you're the film bro, you're this? not
1: watching this. You're, you're listening to something else. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, this is a- this But they want to a- hear,
0: like, every opinion there is ever about A Clockwork Orange. And if there's, like, one opinion that doesn't align with their opinion, then they can write a sternly worded direct message.
1: This is a- we are strawmanning the fuck out of these guys right now, huh?
0: To at 250pod. <laughs> That's at 250pod on Instagram. You can yeah, reach out or to, a to 250-pod
1: us 250pod at com. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> How would you feel about A Clockwork Orange, Douglas?
0: (laughs) It's like, I like it, but I don't like like it. You know what I mean? I think visually and production design wise, there is so much cool stuff happening. And I also think respect to the actors for tackling a very controversial and confronting piece of media and just giving it their all, just going fucking full in on it. I think from an actor's point of view, that's gotta be very tiring, honestly. Mm. It's, it's it got tiring to watch at some points as well. <laughs> but I, I think just morally and ethically, I get the immense ick, but it clashes with my. Adoration for all of the production design and the acting and everything. So it's this weird kind of pocket that a couple of films in the 250 have had where morally and ethically I don't stand for what's being portrayed. But I also, in the sense of like not being there for like censorship and things along that thread, I think it's an important piece of media to have out there. But I worry for the people who come to me. And A Clockwork Orange is in their top four films of all time. You know what I mean? I worry for those people. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the game of, like, how much is too much. And I think this yeah. is definitely too much. Like, I'm not going to recommend this film to everybody. I mean, we can, we can pretty out, like, pretty straight up and down say this film, the, one of the primary stinkers of it is that there are, I think, at, there are at least three rape scenes in it. Or attempted rape scenes in it, Um, maybe more. And, like, all the women in the film are continually, like, objectified uh, as, like, part of the plot, which, you know, you can see the point they're trying to make, but it doesn't make it less gross- and like I, I think maybe knowing that, if we weren't already doing this for the podcast, I would just be like, nah, I just don't need to see this, and I just wouldn't have watched it because whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You don't need to see shit like that. And I think that while yeah, the film does some really fun visual stuff and uh, it doesn't do a super 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 deep dive into it it does approach a bunch of concepts in a pretty fun way about um law and punishment and and um society's role in criminal behavior and stuff yeah, i i
0: someone gets a choice of good or evil and that kind of thing. it
1: just didn't yeah. it just didn't feel like maybe completely deserved to then go like Is this, like, a good enough framework? Like, for example, something like Come and See has some horrible atrocities in it. But, A, they're they're, they're not- They're actually fairly obscured whenever they have something really, really horrible. And I think the rest of the film thematically is, like, a good enough deep dive into the sort of concepts it's trying to work its way through that you can more allow that- Whereas this is very upfront and gross, but not in like a confronting way. Like in a way where it's like it is. It does just feel sexualized and nasty, as opposed to here's a concept. Here's a con uh, complex deep dive into this concept. I don't know.
0: I don't think the foundations feel cohesive enough to support the overall argument. Mm. Yeah. Or the 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 point that Kubrick is trying to get across by adapting this story. I started reading the book, like, I don't know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, in anticipation of the film coming into the 250. Never finished it, but got about halfway and then went, that's a lot, and then put it (laughs) down and haven't picked it up since. So, for the film to also be a lot, there was no surprise.
1: Yeah, so did you stop reading because- this stuff yep. was too gross for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just,
0: it didn't, it felt as though all of the violence and the rape and the everything, it just felt a bit meaningless and it didn't feel as though it was contributing to a broader conversation. And I think Kubrick is almost aware of that because there's one particular line, which I'll talk about in the spoilers, that is the most. We need to explain this to the producers and the audience so then they will continue to back the film and they're not (laughs) going to be like, what the actual fuck are you about to put out? So I think it gets to a point where it almost alienates its audience so hard that it has to go back around again and go, no, but we promise this is going somewhere and we promise (laughs) that you're going to get something out of this. But then I get to the end and I kind of don't. So yeah, yeah. Well, like it's, I, it's get, not- I get where it's going, but it just doesn't feel justified.
1: Yeah, it's not that it isn't thought-provoking, legitimately kind of fun concepts. You push that all to the side, like, the way they approach all this stuff. It's really cool, and they they talk about this stuff from, like, multiple angles. It's actually pretty neat. I think neat. the back
0: end of the film is really good.
1: Yeah, but-
0: Yeah. But you have to get through the first half of the film, which is a lot of very not okay things. At the back end of the film, is a lot of very not okay things as well, but as far as- Comparing less concentration. to oranges, it's- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the- <laughs> Apples to oranges. It's less of a, a shock.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's maybe anyway. because the film steeled me and set that bar in the early the first half of the film that by the time I got to that point, I was just completely numb.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, because I was wondering if if approach from- Uh, A book.
0: like The language in the book is so much more dense, I will say that. The the way that Stanley has adapted the dialogue in particular, he's given enough context clues for you to fill in the gaps around a lot of the Russian-inspired slang that Mm. Alex and his merry crowd of goons all use, but I think the book is very dense when it comes to- their, you know, slang and mm. the actual setting and stuff. Which could also be just my own interpretation of it. I just it took me a good amount of time to dissect, you know, like what a droog is and Viddies and all that kind of thing, which when you think about the etymology of how those little slang bits came to be, it makes sense. Mm. But it felt, yeah, more arduous in the book than it did the film. So, I think the, old, the- That'd be right, at the very least.
1: As a nice pivot, the the manner of speaking- uh, There's a good term for it, sorry. I should have written more notes on this.
0: What, like Cockney or-
1: No, no, no. It's got a term. It's called an argot, which is a a language used to prevent outsiders understanding you. And the intention ah. from the writer was actually to- um, make the like not place the story in a certain point in time due to the way that people speak, and yeah. it also does give it that you know, it gives you the clear feeling that Alex and his crew are like this, you know, sort of bunch of outsiders, sort of like the um. The Warriors, you know that movie? Like the gangs of LA yes. where they're all that that same
0: warriors scene, come out to play. It, it feels
1: very, very similar where Yeah. It feels like a lot. Which is which is once again, like very interesting. Very, very it's a lot when you put it up against like just how horrific a lot of the acts in the film are. And it's sort of got this almost childish comical playtime feeling about the way that everyone talks. And once again, this is only the first, it's really only the first, maybe third, if that probably not even that, I guess, of the film the first quarter, but it's a good place setting. I don't know. I, I mean, we've, I, we've already sort of talked about it and the film is just going, okay, not only um are these people like super violent and, and like morally bankrupt, um, But this is, like, the level of, like, moral degradation in general. Like, the bar they're in has all the naked statues and, like, you, like, pour drinks out of their boobs and stuff like that. Like, I think it's trying to say something which isn't really saying anything because it's intentionally not pointing to a particular society or even a particular time society. But they're just... Which which sort of is why it kind of doesn't make sense to... Make mm. excuses for it in any real way. Um mm. You can know, tell they were trying to do something. And, I, I mean, I think they were successful at that. It's just- um We're really fucking going in circles with this. Uh I, I think it was- we- I think it was-
0: No, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: think it was quite cool, the setting. Like- Yeah. Like, once again, yeah. it's really just that there's too much fucking raping in this goddamn film. Because everything else- yeah. Is fun and and I think without that, like I guess like yeah. Sorry, that was the point I was trying to get to that I completely lost myself. Is that you can you can portray moral degradation of society and these like horribly moral moral bankrupt like you know street gangster type characters without introducing that. There's that saying where if you ever find yourself writing and you've gotten to a point where a a, a rape needs to happen, you need to step back ten pages. And work out how, like, any other option you can have, because it is just so- such a horrific thing to do to another person, there's got to be a better way for you to get across the point that you're the trying to get across. Problem.
0: Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reinforce the- I was-,
1: the I, was, that I, was um, I was talking with a mutual friend of ours about this, actually, just a little while ago, and they- mentioned how that also happens a lot in Game of Thrones. Yes. And I remember there was a very big one. I think it was season five or six where one of the main characters gets raped as like a plot point. And it's like, no, man. Like, and 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 people were not happy with it, understandably. Like, people were like, yeah. this is like really pushing it because I think even like Game of Thrones is gross, but I think it was the first time that really happened, especially with it being quite so intense and like- front of frame uh yeah. th- there's always another option like it's not there's never a situation where you're like this is w- how it had to be you can always you you're you're right in the story
0: <laughs> yeah, you are in control, yeah,
1: you know there might be some good arguments for um for it in some cases, but i at the very least I'm not interested in going out of my way to watch anything where like that is the case. Um, Agreed. That's why, I, that's why I was like, Ichi the Killer was interesting and I don't think anyone should ever watch it because it's just so disgusting in the way that it, like, deals with women in its universe. Like, absolutely not. I'm not going to watch it again. I'm probably not going to watch this again. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Think so far. Oh, no, Barry Lyndon. I- Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. I quite enjoyed. I think you were relatively middling on. Barry Lyndon, but
1: Barry Lyndon had that rise and fall structure that we talked about that I just I'm not interested you in.
0: Can't fuck with, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I should give Barry Lyndon a rewatch one of these days because mm. yeah, I I think we got a little bit for me anyway. We got a little bit spoiled with that kind of a story. To then or out of Kubrick's filmography, mm. to then be followed up by this, I feel as though this is probably going to be Kubrick's weakest amongst I, his I, I don't know, filmography, because or at least his listings in the 250.
1: Just from the critical like angle, to completely put that all aside, I think it's if you don't look at the problem of the way that women are treated in the film. I think the- I think it's great. Like, I think there's a reason why people like it so much because it does, albeit quite shallowly, approach quite a few different interesting problems and the setting, the way it's set is, like, super cool. Um, Visually, they do some really, really fun stuff with it. It's a fairly engaging plot structure. I, I, I think besides that, it's it's pretty well made. And I I, I personally, once again, I, I don't have any intention of watching this again. I also don't have any intention of watching Barry Lyndon again. So, <laughs> but, you know, I think- That's just-
0: a two for two for the old Kubrick.
1: <clears throat> I think in terms of, like, film craft, I think this is a better work. Because it's so imaginative and, like, all this insane 80s futurism- is you know wouldn't have come across in the book that had to come from the imagination of kubrick and the other people involved in the production of this film all the set uh production people and probably concept artists and the like that's dope that they took a fairly vague concept of retro future which wouldn't be in retro future then but you know what i mean and brought that to life in in a way that is like quite convincing the whole way through like I never was sitting there going like this feels like a set or anything like I'm like this is just like a crazy house from like a weird different society which is what the story is going out of its way to portray like a different society people talk funny because of unexplained societal shifts. And this is what fashion looks like and this is what your shops look like and this is what your um and then hilariously like your prisons look exactly the same because there's no money to mm. make fun new prisons or you know, whatever. <laughs> they do look yeah. they do look big and authoritarian and miserable. No, I, I I I just wanna put that aside because I think that there is stuff worth talking about, as long as we're very clear and upfront saying, I don't know, I don't know if that makes up for the horrible parts of the film. But it doesn't mean we should, like, sweep under the rug because otherwise it's going to be a very short episode, Douglas.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, key note before we jump over to spoilers, I suppose, Uh um, or before we jump over to recommendations and (laughs) content warning and all that fun stuff, the cast and crew, very briefly, very briefly, I want to touch on uh, John Alcott. On cinematography, uh, who also did *The Shining*, Barry Lyndon, and a film called *Terror Train* with, a, with an O or Curtis. an A? Terror with an O. Terror Train. Terror. Terror. Oh,
1: this looks. This looks cheesy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a little Chamberlain oh Curtis starring.
1: Wait, wait. wait sorry, 80s. the one from the eighties or the one that came out last year?
0: Eighties, eighties, eighties. Okay. <laughs> Um, gets kind of like three and a half, three stars over on, um, Letterboxd, more on Letterbox at the end of the podcast. Yeah, really like the cinematography on this film. Thought it was really engaging and really like how John, yeah, handles himself behind the camera. It was mm. really cool.
1: I love the he, um, set dressing as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. Alcott died from a heart attack in Cairns uh, in July of 1986. He was 55 when he died.
1: Cairns, Australia. No. <laughs> France. There's a couple of cans out there. That would have been. Cool. <laughs> that would have been a no, no. I'm I'm amazed that you pointed out that it was cans France. Who gives a fuck? But if it was cans Australia, well, oh, bloody, I know what that I- is.
0: Yeah, but, like, Cannes Film Festival? I don't know. Okay. I don't care. Yeah, up to you, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then uh, production design was done by John Barry, who is primarily known for doing production design on the first Star Wars film, 1977
1: Star Wars. Oh, wow. that is uh, would be a very cool one to have under your belt.
0: That's a movie that really relies on its production design. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just find that very interesting. That this world feels so well fleshed out in a screenplay sense and in a tangibility sense as far as the, yeah, production design goes. It's obviously been meticulously thought out by John Barry. So, love that guy. First name, first name, motherfucker. Love that shit. (laughs) And- Original compositions by Wendy Carlos, who is an American musician and composer best known for her electronic music and film scores. She also did the score for Tron. And I was like, yeah, that absolutely reads. There's some really funky, synthy, electronic progression stuff in amidst all of the, the Beethoven and singing in the rain and everything else in between. And they're really fun. I really love all the original compositions in this film. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's what I really wanted to talk about on the crew side. Uh, And then, obviously, um, Malcolm McDowell as the lead, Alexander DeLarge, really good, really Mm. goes all fucking in on this role and uh, miraculously looks like a stunt double of Evan Peters in uh, the 70s. And I will die on this hill. Uh, So (laughs) if uh, you also think they look like Evan Peters or you only just notice that now- yeah, I'm what, what we want you to do,
1: I want you to go to, uh, I want you to go to Letterboxd. I want you to go to Douglas's Letterboxd. Or maybe you go to the Instagram and oh, go to the, actually, yeah, go to the Instagram. No, because I can't guarantee I'll put a post out. I'll probably forget. Go to Douglas's Letterboxd and <laughs> go to his review and go, wow, Douglas, you're right. He does look like Evan Peters with an exclamation point. And that, and, and that's how we know, that's how we'll know.
0: Wow. Comma Douglas, comma. Yes, you're right. Comma. Exclamation
1: point. <laughs> he oh, does look like right, Evan Peters. point. He
0: does look like Evan Peters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Exclamation mark. Yeah. Exclamation mark. That's that's our argot or whatever the fuck. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing says
1: comedy quite like extremely protracted Explaining and limping off the, the end. Bit. Yeah. Um. Do we need to Douglas? Do you recommend this film?
0: No, I don't. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> no.
1: I uh, mean, Like I said, great. I can't great think of anyone who would of- want to watch it. So yeah, it's it, like anything. It, as soon like- as,
0: as, soon as they're like, uh, the other If uh, the, the the second I'm like, yeah, the production design is cool and the acting is cool and the 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 original compositions are cool, and then if they're like, oh yeah, okay, I'll I'll go watch it. Anything I need to like keep an eye out for, <laughs> anything that you know I might not you know handle oh, very yeah. well?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. <laughs> oh,
0: rape, My bad. Sorry. uh- Oh <sighs> um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bit, <laughs> yeah. Bit of a tough one. I, I
1: also I like I said I'm not gonna watch it again. Um it's a shame because cinematically it's stellar.
0: Kinda cool.
1: But I'm just yeah, not not that stellar. Not stellar enough.
0: What's that movie with the um The guy from the Captain America TV show, <laughs> this is So, the guy from the Captain America TV show- There's a TV show? Which is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Wyatt Russell, and then he's in that one film, Overlord, which is- hang on, (laughs) let him cook, which is a remake of a film by the same name, called Overlord. Oh, is it? Yep.
1: I did not know that.
0: Pretty sure. 1975. Oh, okay, never mind. It's not a specific remake of the 1975 Overlord. It's- I think it, like, takes that story and then gets fucky with
1: it. Apes on it. That's-
0: Which is, like, the eve of D-Day and stuff like that. That's Um,
1: really interesting that they did that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's on your watch list as well. Um, I don't know. I saw Overlord somewhere there while I was looking amidst all of the crew. I think John Alcott did cinematography. Yep. John Alcott did the cinematography for the 1975 Uh, Overlord. Oh. Which made me think of the Wyatt Russell Overlord, which made me think of Overlord. Yeah. Uh want to watch that movie. So
1: the new one or the old ones.
0: one? The probably both of them. I'd be I'd be curious enough to watch both of them.
1: The old one, sorry, the new one gives me like I want to watch the new one because
0: it looks fucked.
1: It just looks silly, very like stupid. Se- silly actiony like no yeah.
0: pulpy yeah. science fiction, war, horror, fun.
1: Yeah, like action horror.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, sign me yeah. up. Yeah,
1: I was going to say it's probably a bit questionable, but it's probably not. It's just like dudes shooting zombie Nazis. Like,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's more fun than that? Killing Nazis?
1: It- ha! Huh. Made a whole huh. series of video games based on that shit. <laughs> many, really many did. of them.
0: Uh, would you recommend. No, you said you would. Yeah, we already did this. Uh, content warning.
1: Content warning. Um, Everything. This is one of the, gr- the grossest. It, like. And that's the problem. It's up there. Like, I wouldn't say
0: it's the grossest, no, but it's, it's not, definitely it's, up there.
1: It's not it's not non-stop, but it yeah. has it has all the other bits like the the opening of the film is so violent and sexually depraved. And then just right out the gate. But then you 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 head to the back end of the film and it's this like basically like psychological torture stuff that is like a whole new thing that we haven't really seen much in the list of like like, that mm. could absolutely ruin some people's days, so... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, The implications
0: yeah. of some of that stuff is, yeah, it's, it gets pretty heavy. Yeah.
1: And, and, and yeah, it's very just violent and, and miserable. If you
0: are not in a good mental place, do not watch this film. Probably yeah. don't watch any of Kubrick's films, honestly. They're all really fucking bummers.
1: Yeah. I'm keen on A Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah, true. I, yeah, I suspect that will be less of a bummer, but mm. besides that... Mm. Yeah. No. Nah. Um, cool. Let's um, have a spoiler noise, and we're now in the spoiler zone, Douglas. We can right. talk about all the talk about all the stuff we wanted to spoil from the, the big of the
0: quote that uh, my shining light moment, uh, where Mister they've they've presented Alex as you know new and reformed and they've had him you know lick the guy's shoe and then naked woman comes out and he goes to fondle her boobs and then he starts like doing the like retching and the burping thing and- yeah which by the way props to um uh, Malcolm McDowell for being able to make that sound evidently on command mm. it's quite a Guttural sound. It, it very- screams
1: to me like you make that sound, and you actually have to stop yourself from vomiting because, like, yeah. surely it would be easy to do accidentally.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it's you're putting your body in that physical state of it. Yeah. Being like, we need to vom, and then you're your body into like, the vom. What do you mean? <laughs> we can do I that. Thought, I thought you'd you body- never ask. <laughs> and then the brains going to be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um. But yeah, props <laughs> to him for being able to do that. Uh. And. Uh, secondly, the priest guy, yeah. the ser- the guy who delivers all the sermons, and he comes up and he's like, but surely we must think about the philosophical implications of this. He has no choice. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes along that whole uh, tangent, and then the guy's like, oh, we don't have time to worry about philosophy or ethics. We're just looking at bringing down crime. And then I was like, wow, Kubrick, you really just want to make sure that people are going... Oh, he's a boy devoid of choice. That's the point of the film. <laughs> I get it now. All of the rape meant something. No, it didn't. Shut up. Um. Yeah.
1: I mean that that is what the film is trying to get at. Like, it it is a bunch of interesting things to talk about, like morality and the political angle of these people like charging through totalitarianism
0: and this- yeah. Yeah.
1: And it, there is definitely an angle. Well, I don't think there is. I was wondering if there was supposed to be an angle of, like, nature versus nurture. Like, you know, he's he's become this way because of his. But not mm. really, because I think his parents are, like, implied to be yeah, fairly well off. Yeah, his parents
0: well are off. chill. Yeah. His parents so, look like they're, yeah, kicking goals and they're, you know, they're nice as well. Yeah. Like, they, yeah. they seem like they've got their heads screwed on straight, at least more than Alex does.
1: So, that's not a great excuse. Um Yeah i but I still think the f- it felt like the film was trying to talk about that to some degree maybe maybe not um and mm. uh th- things like um the prison system and um trying to what's the word it's something, uh um rehabilitate prisoners as opposed to just like putting people in prison for for prison's sake, which is, like, the guard, the, like, uptight guard guy is definitely on that angle and then the priest is more about rehabilitation and all that. So... Yeah. And then there's also these other angles about, like, yeah, like, punishment of crime doesn't necessarily fix the problem, which is what the writer is supposed to be about. And then then there's, like, an angle of, like, vigilante justice almost or, like, retribution, like, Mm. revenge from Mm. him
0: like that's the- and there's then like the judicial system at large as well of you know yeah. imprisoning, imprisoning and incarcerating juvenile crime doesn't really fix the issue yeah mm.
1: which which is i i don't think any of them are explored in great depth but they are still mm. interesting and they're fun to think about cuz i don't think the film yeah. really um The film takes a bunch of these problems and it sort of just says, like, these are all issues. And I assume the book does as well. Um, It doesn't present an opinion on them. No. And it sort of- You can see why the the end thesis of the film is that Alex is a bit of a victim in his own way. But the way that they do that then brushes all the horrible stuff he's done under the rug. Which- Maybe, but it also if- that's.
0: I feel like that gets commented on as well when you find uh, when he goes back to his parents' place and is expected to be you know welcomed back with open arms, but his room is now being sublet to a complete random yobo. And then the guy is he says something along the lines of "You, you're crying and you're playing victim now, but that doesn't abolish all of the horrible, fucked up shit that you've already done." You know. Mm. Which, yeah, is, uh, yes, an interesting moral dilemma. Mm.
1: Yeah. It, it, yeah, the it doesn't seem to have much of an opinion on it. That's maybe mm. part of the problem. It just
0: presents it.
1: It just presents them, which is not nothing. Mm. Um, and I think it's like a cool illustration that will get people thinking, which is good.
0: Anything that produces thought and challenges perspective and opinion. Isn't that the whole- one of the main points of art and therefore film cinema
1: i will see douglas um uh i just had uh uh i just actually uh last week um yep opened my first ever art exhibition, douglas, and I was talking a lot about how i didn't like any of my pieces don't clap for me um Aww. I was talking a lot about how um uh, when I draw stuff, I don't feel like I ever have anything to say. <laughs> I think I'm just doing stuff, which is maybe what the place of, uh, films like Overlord are, Douglas, to go like.
0: <laughs> not too much to say, but goddamn, isn't it a thing? It's, ain't it
1: fun to look at?
0: The Meg 2. It <laughs> doesn't have too much going on under the hood, but goddamn, isn't it just a little bit of fun?
1: <laughs> um. No, but you're right. I mean, um it's it's maybe not that art is about it, but art is a good place to to explore things yes, like this. To present
0: these, yeah, uh, uh philosophies and ideologies and to challenge perspective and opinion and mm. bias, I guess, mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think I think we can rotate this into something interesting, but my shining light of the film Was when he's in the yoga lady's house, the cat lady's house, and he, like- When he, like, clobbers her. And I wish that- I was thinking, like, maybe the film could have been a lot more palatable if if some stuff had been, like, obfuscated like this. Where you're like, okay, you don't see him smash her fucking face in. It it does this, like, flashy- Yeah. Because when they- go off to that big colorful thing it almost feels like that's what the film is trying to do by by making it seem like it it seems like the film is trying to present what's fucked up in his head about the whole thing like they're they get hyped up on you know legal legal drugs and then I clearly offer of their fucking faces um which is another angle that the film is probably trying to like poke into, the story he's trying to poke into. Mm. I think with some stuff like that, I mean, you can cut the rape out completely, but I think you could actually make it, like, by putting it below or behind, like, colourful fun stuff, you can you can frame the- you can still have the violence there without seeming like you're um, having it as a focus, you know? You're not- Yeah. You're not looking at the violence as a piece of entertainment- You're just like, this is the framing for what's going on with this dude, and where do we go from there, I guess.
0: I think Taxi Driver does a very- or did a very similar kind of thing. You know, just presents this dude who does a bunch of very not nice things, but it makes for a very interesting and insightful character scene.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, Taxi Driver has the same problem and the same- same film, not the same problem, but anyone who um,
0: says their favorite films are Taxi Driver, Clockwork Orange. Drive. What else would be on there? What? Drive. <laughs> yeah. Drive is like a yeah. classic film
1: Film Bro yep. film.
0: Yep. Yep. And Inception. Uh those four films, if they if a man says that those are their four favorite films, run as fast as possible <laughs> in the other direction. <laughs> I
1: still like I still like Inception.
0: Oh uh, yeah, but you, you didn't actually- Yeah, you haven't been to Oppenheimer in theatres yet. There were so many Inception bros at my Oppenheimer screening. And you can- They're a special little breed of cinema goer, the Inception <laughs> bros. Because I heard them walking out- When I was walking out of the cinema and I was walking out alongside them and I were talking and comparing and contrasting the the film to Christopher Nolan's other work and they were like, yeah, it's just kind of boring, honestly. Like, he was still doing, like, all the time stuff, but it just kind of... It didn't really feel like much was happening. And I'm like, was it not not enough um, action for you? Not enough explosions, perhaps? I don't know. You know. <laughs> that's fine. Just, you know, insightful commentary on one of humanity's lowest points ever. But, you know, that's fine. Fu- hey, you know, up to... You want more tight ty- you want Leonardo DiCaprio to get in someone's head. Well, yeah, be my guest, yeah. Whoa, no, no, no. Hey, yeah. Each to their <laughs> own, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I I don't I didn't even know I had that on my chest. I'm really <laughs> glad I got it off. <laughs>
1: um Yeah, I'm glad you got it off too, Douglas. Thank you. And you know what else I'm glad you got off, Douglas? Some some damn freaking trivia.
0: Absolutely. Hit me with it. Malcolm McDowell's eyes were anesthetized for the torture scene so that he would film for periods of time without too much discomfort. Nevertheless, his corneas got repeatedly scratched by the metal lid locks.
1: I was wondering about that because I was looking at him like, yeah, he's doing that that for real. real. He's
0: He's doing doing it for real.
1: That looks uncomfortable.
0: The doctor standing over Alex as he is being forced to watch violent films was a real doctor ensuring that Malcolm McDowell's eyes didn't dry up.
1: I- You know what? Makes sense.
0: <laughs> That's- uh, you got to say horrific. that-
1: what, what you can say- You can say all kinds of things about this film. There are plenty of bad things you can say about this film, but a great oh, piece of stonework. My work. God,
0: the commitment from Malcolm McDowell <laughs> and from Kubrick as well, mm. but absurd. Kurova milk bar is named after the Russian word for cow. Maloko, written on the wall, means milk. The bar's sculptures were based on the work of sculptor Alan Jones. Stanley Kubrick had the milk dispensers emptied, washed, and refilled every hour as the milk curdled under the studio <sighs> lights.
1: Why were they using milk? Could they not have been using you put some milk white, in them? Some Kubrick, white. Kubrick, I prop know you liquid? love
0: your practicality and shit, but my dude. Can you not think of better things for the budget?
1: Mm. <laughs> Well, I was You're watching like,
0: a- We need 50 more gallons of milk to fill the milk, ladies, please. <laughs> and they're like, Kubrick. <laughs>
1: um, I was watching a YouTube video talking about certain things being like- Certain uh, uh, materials and props being signifiers of plot elements, sort of like tropes. Because like m- people drinking milk, only bad guys drink milk in films- and uh, the other one was anyone who just
0: drinks milk like just on its own is like kind of fucked up. Mm. Do you I drink could milk drink. on
1: its own? I don't, but I could.
0: That's kind of fucked up. Kind of fucked, fucked up. up for I suppose. You to
1: say. The other one is oranges. When oranges appear in a scene, something bad, uh, something bad is about to happen. Ah. Mm. It's a big one in I think um like 80s, 70s, like crime films, and then it happened a couple of times in a row. Apparently, completely. Ah. Uh, the film that is sort of cited as the first instance of this, they were just like, they talked to the prop director and they were like, yeah, they just said we needed some fruit, so we just got some oranges.
0: My (laughs) guy just got some oranges. And then, like,
1: another person did it, I think, completely unrelated, and then once two people have done it, it's a trend.
0: (laughs) It becomes, yeah, yeah. Man, that's so funny how Mm. shit like that happens, you know? It's just completely unintentional, but then it you know, film goers do what film goers do best and do the whole why were the curtains blue shtick. And mm. then, you know, the rest is history. Bing, bang, boom. Clockwork Orange. Why do you think it's called Clockwork Orange?
1: I hadn't thought about it. it sort of screams like android sheep to me, but I'm yeah. assuming there's something. Why S- it-
0: stop me. Stop me if I'm wrong here. But my take is Orange, grown from nature, grown from, you know, like uh, a place of nature. Clockwork made by man and made to, you know, be precise. Clockwork and an orange can't work together. Like mm. a clockwork orange are two things that cannot possibly coincide, which I think is what is happening to Alex. It's two things that can't coincide at the same time.
1: Apparently... Uh-
0: That's my take. Unless Apparent-
1: there's a- Apparently, this is more or less. So, uh, hit me with it. Anthony, Burg- that's the, that's the original writer, right? Anthony, Anthony Bird, Burgess guess. is the yeah original. Yeah, uh, he yeah. wrote in the introduction. It refers to a person who has the appearance of an organism, lovely with color and juice, but is in fact only a clockwork toy to be wound up by God or the devil. Or since this is increasingly replacing both the Almighty State, so it's like it's about like robotic <laughs> behavior on the. Yep. On, on the 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 beautiful beautiful potential of like humanity,
0: which yeah. I th- I
1: th- yep. I think is like obviously the effect of state on human beings is a key thematic point of the story. So that makes a lot of sense.
0: Eddie Burgess certainly had his fucking knickers in a twist around mm. uh, around that. That's for sure. Yeah, this was this whole piece and Kubrick as well, evidently coming from a real place of frustration. Alex performing singing in the rain as he attacks the writer and his wife was not scripted. Stanley Kubrick (laughs) spent four days experimenting with the scene, finding it too conventional. Can you find a rape scene too? Anyway, eventually he <laughs> approached Malcolm McDowell and asked him if he could dance. They tried the scene again, this time with McDowell dancing and singing the only song he could remember. <laughs> Kubrick was so amused that he swiftly bought the rights to Singing in the Rain for $10,000, which comes out to about 60- $76,500 in 2022, adjusted for inflation. But- what a steal.
1: Yeah, I was going to say in the- um. In the, well, I wonder, I wonder if that's like a case of like Kubrick has so many friends in movies and the, f- the, the song is a movie song.
0: Well, uh, do you know who wasn't too happy about? singing in the rain being used in a clockwork
1: orange (laughs) tell me douglas when naka
0: mcdowell met gene kelly at a party several years later the older star turned and walked away in disgust kelly was deeply (laughs) upset about the way his signature from singing in the rain had been portrayed in a clockwork orange yeah okay I'd, I'd respect that as well. If a song that I had made that had been created with the intent of like love and expression and joy and happiness mm. had been spun into a rape scene, I think I would be pretty fucking pissed too.
1: <laughs> understandable. Understandable. You uh. might be onto something.
0: Uh. The snake Basil was introduced into the film by Stanley Kubrick when he found out Malcolm McDowell had a fear of reptiles. The stated purpose was to make McDowell's character seem more intimidating, but secondarily, it functioned as a practical joke by Kubrick. God Kubrick seems like such a horrible prick.
1: Yeah, he sounds like a cunt.
0: <laughs> Absolute fucking mad man.
1: Fuck knuckle.
0: Alex popping his mouth open for food was entirely improvised. As <laughs> Stanley Kubrick got incredibly bored that. during the scene, and Malcolm McDowell started acting silly just to keep everyone's attention focused. <laughs> I fucking loved
1: it. It's, like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's so fucking good.
0: And him, like, just like yeah. really happily, like munching and like wriggling his toes in the fucking cast. <laughs> oh,
1: far <laughs> out.
0: According to Malcolm McDowell on the commentary track from the 2007 DVD release, the sped up sex scene was originally filmed as an unbroken take lasting 28 minutes. Jesus Christ. God damn. Go your heart out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Malcolm
0: McDowell delighted in the speeded up orgies since Stanley Kubrick could not shout cut until it was over and McDowell could accordingly do whatever he wanted during the take carrying the girls back to the bed a second time was improvised by McDowell much to the irritation of Kubrick who shouted off camera quote that's enough Malcolm that's enough (laughs) (laughs) oh god before filming the scene where he had to carry Patrick McGee's wheelchair down the stairs, professional bodybuilder David Prouse oh, went up yeah. to Stanley Kubrick and asked if he could make sure that, due to the difficulty of the task, he got the scene in as few takes as possible, saying, quote, You're not exactly known as one-take Kubrick, are you? End quote. The rest of the crew was horrified at such a famous be- famous director being talked to like this, but Kubrick just laughed and promised to do his best. The scene was filmed in only six takes, an incredibly small amount for a perfectionist like Kubrick. Even so, Prowse was near exhaustion after a repeated takes of him carrying Frank and his wheelchair down the stairs.
1: Yeah, that would have been a lot. I That, like- there's some angles to this that even remind me of something like and I think it's maybe why the production design tickled me so much. It reminds me of um it reminds me of Rocky Horror. That was that's embarrassing. That ah
0: re- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That took me way too long. Um yeah. Like so much of it does. And I you know, the statues feel like that and yeah. the mm. like random massive buff guy inserted in a <laughs>
0: Familiar scene, and yeah, yeah. like how flashy without and colorful it was. Terrible is. amount of context, yeah. That was, it yeah. was, I
1: mean, it was so it just felt genius to me. I don't know, like, you, you can piece together what happened without being needed to be told, but it's also sort of funny and like, like, bizarre. Mm. he's a bodybuilder he's just gonna carry he's He's just gonna carry the wheelchair down the stairs like
0: picks up his dude and fucking lobs him down the stairs far out although he is playing a 17 year old and 19 year old in the latter half of the film malcolm mcdowell was actually 27 at the time of filming
1: wow i yeah okay fucking hell he's
0: my age that's crazy yeah oh he's would have been my age at the anyway. One of the first films to employ radio mics to record the sound, no looping or overdubbing to a loop of the film was required.
1: Uh oh, right. Was that really common before
0: then? Yeah, it would have been um boom mics. Prior to
1: yeah radio mics. yeah oh so yeah, yeah. Uh, so so just like sort of what you were saying was that like the if they had to do a big open scene like that they would they would just record radio it microphone. with.
0: No, before that, like before it, that, though, yeah.
1: yeah, you would go, you'd dub it afterwards. Yeah.
0: Correct mundo. yeah, yeah, right. to, like, really make sure the, um, the sound was tip top. Yeah. Yeah. Filming the rape scene was so difficult for the actress originally cast in the role that she quit. The part was recast with Adrian Corey, who was said to have been furious at the large number of takes that Stanley Kubrick required, feeling it ought to have been done swiftly. Malcolm McDowell, however, has stated that Corey was very game about the brief but difficult role and the nudity throughout filming, and she even joked that he would get to see that she is a, quote, natural redhead, unquote. God,
1: uh, no, man. <laughs> oh, he was, so, he was so close to not being gross and- <laughs> To being disgusting, yeah. oh,
0: <sighs> Just, just missed it. Bad Yuck. luck, Malcolm McDowell.
1: Try Yuck. again. Also, which rape scene? in the house.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ, that's man. The, yeah, mm, when you when you have to ask that question, you know you're uh, you're in for a film, aren't you? Um that's really it. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. Um but uh, yeah, movies.
1: Well, movies. If you enjoy movies, many of which don't have uh far too much rape and sexual object- objectification. We have about 200, 200- well no, we have about 100 150- Fifty-three that have probably- until,
0: 175. Oh, yeah. We've got bonus
1: is- episodes. I forgot about that. 100. Something like that. Yeah. We have almost four years of films that, to the best of my knowledge, bar a couple, <laughs> maybe- Maybe there's one other one.
0: That includes
1: rape. Um, we're really belaboring the point here. Uh, we have made many, many episodes- uh, looking at a great many films, Douglas. And if you would like to Douglas, you're not helping. And we're gonna do it in the future, guys, every Tuesday, midnight, <laughs> Australian time which comes out to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. <laughs> Douglas, shut your fucking mouth and tell them about the fucking website. <laughs>
0: You like you are like you're not helping. Like I'm uh, like I'm a child at like a dentist's office or you something. You were literally rolling
1: your eyes and hanging your head off the back of your you're-
0: fucking chair. You are yeah, acting yeah, like you're a like- four year old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, uh, you're talking to the dentist about whatever Ugh. needs to be done on my teeth, and I'm like. Oh, I'm like leaning back in my chair. You're not helping wait. Douglas. You're
1: not helping Douglas, all right? You're just making it take <laughs> longer, okay?
0: Oh, <laughs> God. Can we just get Maccas after this? Like, seriously. <laughs> um, if you want more info on the podcast, you can go to www.250.com. There's a full list of INDB's top 250 films as of January 2020 on the homepage there. It. I realized the other day- The website doesn't really say, like, what the podcast is or anything, but, like, that's what it is. It's IMDb's top 250 films of all time from 250 number one. So, you probably preface that if you're telling the podcast to a friend or something. But it just naturally comes up because they'll be like, why is it called the 250? And then you'll be like, oh, they're doing IMDb's I like to think
1: that our podcast speaks for itself. I think our website, rather, speaks for itself. And if it doesn't speak for itself, maybe you're the problem.
0: That sounds like deflecting. Uh, (laughs) There's three links at the top of the website. There's a link to listen to us on Spotify, although we are found wherever good podcasts are sold, uh, found. Uh, There's a link to our Instagram, which is at 250pod, and there is a link to get in touch with us via email, which is mail at 250.com or 250pod at gmail.com, whichever you bloody want to flip the coin.
1: Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website that we are great. big fans of. My account on Letterboxd is UPA, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas.
0: My account is Ienzo Knight, I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ienzo Knight. You can look up UPA, Enzo Knight, or 250 in the Letterboxd search engine, and you'll find us. We do written reviews of all the films that we talk about here on the 250, as well as anything else that we watch in our spare time. I watched Collateral in my spare time. I got to rewatch. Uh, collateral which i only just realized after finishing it it's directed by michael mann who also directed heat and i was like oh it makes so much sense the the identity of collateral as a film when you put it as a film and then you put it next to heat as well it makes so much sense why collateral is the way that it is and obviously i hadn't seen any of other michael mann Films when I watched Collateral for the first time when I was, like, a teenager and then watching it again now after having seen Heat. An eye-opening experience. This is... Collateral is such a fucking good movie. It's a taut, kinetic, like, incredibly tense, wonderfully acted. Tom Cruise getting to play a villain is just the fucking... Best. I really, really wish he got to play more villainous characters in cinema history. But it looks like he's going to just play Ethan Hunt until he eventually dies in some horrific stunt accident. So if that's what he wants to do, then you know, Godspeed to him. But
1: I wonder when he dies of a horrific stunt accident at age eighty-five. Um,
0: is is he he pelvis or something?
1: Is he? Are they gonna? Pull a Need for Speed and like find a way to write him out of the film.
0: Oh yeah, what's gonna happen to Ethan (laughs) Hunt? Surely not, because I think he dies.
1: I think he's um he's one of the uh, key producers now.
0: But yeah, or (laughs) or do they James Bond him? Do they do they get another? Actor to just pull them in that- and then they're do like, they "Yeah, finish- it was this all the whole time." Do what they are you finish about? that
1: movie? Like when he's doing all of these like oh, super dangerous stunts, does he do all the other filming for the movie first, and then does all the stunts?
0: Oh, true. Yeah, because then What's they the can shooting be schedule. Like I wonder.
1: Yeah, because then you can be like, well, you know, he totally if we get all at- the
0: dangerous stunts done out of the way. Then we know he's not going to die for the rest of the film. <laughs>
1: What I'm what I'm saying That's is fucked that up. he loves doing things practical, but really, yes. we can get away with ninety percent of this stuff digitally. So if he did, absolutely, if he did, you know, splattered to the rocks at the end of that fucking motorcycle <laughs> jump, um, and was just like dead instantly, you would just have the film and you would say in memory of in the beginning,
0: <laughs> in memory of Tom Cruise. Yeah, like or after. He, I cannot believe, I cannot believe. We're basically talking about what like the sag after strikes are right now, which is like fucking against like AI and <laughs>
1: fucking. No, I'm not saying AI. I'm not saying an AI. I'm saying that you get a group of extremely competent and skilled. Tom no, 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 no. Cruise. Well, they already do that a- for stunts. They a- do that for yeah, actors yeah. Con- constantly. Anyway, no,
0: no, no. no Allah. Um. Fuck. What's her name? Are you Uh, saying that
1: we do all the stunts, he dies, and then we do the rest of the film with all the close-ups with AI? That is not what I was arguing for, sir. Oh, okay. (laughs) So,
0: what were you arguing?
1: I was saying, you you film the film first, and then you film the stunts. And if he beefs it on the stunts, then you just digital that scene, and then you have an in-loving memory of at the
0: start. You did- Huh? Oh, wait. So, you do all of the dialogue- First. You do all the close-ups. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I get you. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you go, and then, then and you, then the you do and then he all beats the stunts, and then yeah, p- all the
1: stunts in increasing
0: Smart. increasing You're-
1: levels of danger. Yep. So hopefully he gets ninety percent of them done. S-
0: Sails days, off the yep. cliff
1: on the motorbike and splatters to yes. his death, and they're like, okay, well. Yes. Guys, we're gonna need you know two months, but we can we can digitize all these scenes and get them all done, and then we can <laughs> still release the film and make eighty million $100 dollars, hundred billion dollars, yeah. and then yeah. and then you know because um, everyone's
0: gonna come watch it because it's the last film that Tom Cruise was in before he died exactly. horrifically in the uh, freak motorbike accident where yeah. he got his foot caught on the motorbike or whatever, and then he. Uh, I feel head. like it
1: wouldn't be a freak motorbike accident. It would just be that he drove a motorbike off. You know that he drove a motorbike off the cliff. Yeah, off he the did. Cliff for yeah, the-
0: yeah. I've seen the film. It's yeah. it's a genuinely very impressive stunt. Like Was it the latest one? Oh, is that out? Fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, it's out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, oh. because it, it got completely swamped by Barbenheimer. So not too much. The marketing fuss has been. Oh. I saw. Out on- I, know, and cool. I need to rewatch Fallout. I might do that tonight. Um, I've also been watching a K-drama called Encounter, and it is the most melodramatic thing I think I've ever watched in my entire life. Okie dokie. And I'm so here for it. It's Okey-dokey. so schlocky and so good. Uh, the reason I watch it was because one of my friends was like, I recently did a performance that was kind of- K drama was the theme of it. Like, we were making a bit like tongue in cheek poking at K dramas and the kind of stereotypes and themes of K dramas. And then I admitted on the very on the day of the performance that I never watched a K drama before, to the shock and horror of the rest of my team. So <laughs> they were like, you need to watch like a K drama at very least. So they, the choreographer recommended Encounter to me. And yeah, it's just so schlocky and uh, pretty horrifically acted at some points. But just, I think, just the energy and the vibe is really, it's somehow very alluring. I don't know what it is. Because usually I would be turned off by like this kind of a vibe. But there are some genuinely very sweet and romantic and cute little moments in it as well that really make me go, oh, this is cute. So, hmm. maybe that's what's making me stick around. Cute. Encounter, K-drama. There you go. Anything that you have watched in your spare time? Fucking Jonathan- no.
1: Absolutely not. No Zip time
0: away. Jonathan over here.
1: That's me. I'm no busy- time to lose. I'm busy watching the other films that we have to watch so we can stay the fuck on schedule. Douglas. Wow. At
0: least and, talking-
1: and talking about f- watching films to stay on schedule, Douglas, do, don't. Slow point at me, mister. (laughs) We can do this on the episode. We need to pick a bonus episode for two episodes time. Oh, we do. What do you want to do? I've got the list here. who
0: brought- I brought the last one, didn't I? Which was Black Swan. So. I
1: I think we- No, that one was pretty mutual. You wanted to watch Black Swan anyway. That was pretty mutual, yeah. I'd been wanting to see that anyway. Yeah. How about-
0: What are we heading into?
1: That's a good question.
0: Oh, we're heading into a big drama Blocks. Okay, so good pick. So, maybe something a bit so- light-hearted, perhaps.
1: I want to watch Primer, but I think if I watch Primer, which I gather is a little bit of a stress fest, and then watch a bunch of dramas, I will, like, want to <laughs> die, so... <laughs>
0: uh, I would want to watch um, Good Time, but Good Time is, like, the stress fest <laughs> movie, so, yeah, let's not watch that either. What
1: about, Douglas? What about? The Lego movie.
0: Oh, yeah! That's been sitting on the old bonus list for a while, hasn't it? But that- yes. I'm almost
1: certain this was in the original bonus list.
0: Yeah, I think it this is. is. I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now. Oh yeah, but
1: we yeah. added we added a lot of stuff to this, so this doesn't count. Oh, yeah. I think the first yeah. maybe 30 were but were there. From like the start. when
0: we did the the January list, yeah, the Lego mm. Movie was it was in there. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah,
1: let's do the Lego Movie, Douglas.
0: Perfect. Sign me up.
1: Okay, I will see you in one week's time for North by Northwest. And two weeks' time for the Lego movie. And then the three Lego weeks' time movie. for Full Metal Jacket. And then four weeks' time for The Hunt. <laughs> and then five weeks' time for Citizen Kane. And then six weeks' time for Eternal Sunshine of the Mind, the And then seven uh, so weeks' time for Dungol. The and then eight weeks' time for the next bonus episode. And then nine weeks' time for Vertigo. I'll, I'll, and then so we'll ten weeks' time for Requiem for week. a Dream. And um, then eleven for, weeks time for two thousand and one uh, space. Week, we're doing north by northwest. And then, <laughs> and then uh, I'm losing count. Two weeks, weeks time. For uh, we'll be doing. <laughs> and then four weeks time. Oh, sorry, no, we'll be doing the Lego room. Um, and, then and then in three uh, weeks time, weeks time uh, we'll be doing <laughs>
0: north <laughs> by <laughs> Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs>